Hey there, welcome to episode 15 of the Bruise Day podcast. You're hearing my voice tonight because I've recuperated after our Denver trip and episode 14. This is Andy, and I'll be your host for this episode. Today, I'm joined by Rob, Wes, and Josh. Hey, fellas. What's up? What's going on? On today's episode, we are focusing on the lovely little green cone that gives so much to the beer we love. I'm talking about hops. We are just on the other side of the annual hop harvest, so everyone is seeing, and especially so in the Northwest, an explosion of new small batch releases of fresh hop beers. So we're going to talk about it. Our Cheers Beer of the Week relates to our main topic today, so we'll suck that down and then dive right into the hop topics. A quick hit of info before discussing a few different ways that hops are used in brewing and how the use can impact the final product you drink. Next, we'll chat about some of the latest beer news and get a quick homebrew update before taking a quick break and then getting back into our big board, lightning round, and good, bad, or ugly of the week. But that's enough of me. Let's have a drink. Cheers, boys. Cheers. Cheers. So today's Cheers beer comes from Rubens Brews in Seattle, Washington, and this is a beer that I brought to all of you. I each brought you a can while we were in Denver, Colorado, so we all get to drink the same beer tonight. This beer is called Fresh Hop Crikey. As its name calls out, it's a fresh hop IPA measuring in at 6.8% ABV and 52 IBU. It uses only fresh Simcoe hops from the Yakima Valley in eastern Washington. The Fresh Hop Crikey was released in mid-September, I think around the 15th. It might even have a package date on the can. So like all the fresh hop beers, it's very new. On Untapped, it has only 529 check-ins before we all check it in tonight. And with an average rating of 4.09 out of 5. And Rob, I'm going to pass it over to you. What's your first impression? So I will say, as probably not surprising with a fresh hop, lots of arrows, aromatics, lots of uh, great taste, and it definitely comes through. It's hoppy. I'm enjoying it. I think the, as you mentioned, the, the average has a four-point average, 4.1 maybe. Um, I would say I'm probably around there. There's kind of a bite on the end of it that I'm, I can't really put my finger on right now. It's, it's, uh, I'm not sure if I'm really enjoying it, but I definitely enjoy the aromas and the upfront taste of this. I really wish I could compare this to their, their original Crikey IPA. So I definitely want to grab that and do kind of a side-by-side if I could because I know this is a variant of that fresh or uh, of the Crakey IPA. And Rob, you, you mentioned the bite. I think I'm, I'm liking it because of that. So I I get a lot of the, the freshness and, and, you know, not having the original to your point. um, I can't compare it, but I do feel like I'm getting that. Taking a look at the can, you mentioned it has a ninth September 15th date. So it it is fresh. Um, Even though Andy brought it to us, we, we sort of carried it all over the United States. Um, I, I'm liking the bite to finish off that freshness. I, th- I think it's really good. I was already a fan of Simcoe. So to me, this this just takes it to a little bit of a, a higher level. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I like the little bit of bite on it. It's Rob, I agree. It's that got that fresh, nice aromatic smell to it. You really can like the aromas are coming off of it. Nice, nice and hard like you'd think a fresh hop would be. Um, and can I just take a second to appreciate a true IPA it is see-through. It's not. Doesn't look like orange juice. <laughs> yeah, I love my New England. It's like, oh, it's so clear. Yeah, damn. It's hard to find a just straight-up IPA, and this is it. It's it's so nice and beautifully clear. This is a very good IPA. I'm I'm. I think that 4.1 is pretty pretty spot on. I'm probably right at it or right above it, maybe a 4.2. But it's it. This is a really good IPA. Yeah, Andy, good choice. Yeah, yeah thanks, Andy. 
I've become a huge fan of Ruben since since I got to the Pacific Northwest. I've had many of their beers. I've actually had the Crikey before. I gave it a 3.8. I had it earlier this year. So I'm already above a 3.8 on this beer. All of the, the specifics you guys touched on, I'm also a big fan of. One of the things that really stands out to me is that it's just crisp. It, yep. it has that bite, but it also it just is very crisp. It's a hoppy IPA. It smells fresh. It's surprisingly light for 6.8%. To me, personally, I'm a, I'm a big fan. I'm, I'm definitely above the four point kind of like one average of it. Um, and that's, that's just like a testament to, to what fresh hops can, can be. Yeah. Andy, that you said that and that Christmas, you're so right. It's almost like the Christmas of like a Kolsch even. Yeah. Um, it really does like kind of bite at you a little bit with the crispness. It's very, makes it more refreshing. It's, it's a really good beer. Yeah. One, this is the, solid. Well, and th- that bite. So Andy, you read it off as 52 IBU. And I, I think I was expecting yep. something a little less when you first said that out loud. To me, it almost, I don't know if it's because it is a fresh hop beer. I actually feel like that number in my mind should be higher. Yeah, I see where you're coming from. It, I'm, I maybe don't get as much of the bitterness as you do. I definitely get some at the very end. I don't really get it early on. Early. That bite and that bitterness to what Rob said definitely comes at the end for me. Andy, did you have to get this at the at the brewery, or were you able to find this at like a a distributor or, or a store near? Where no, you the live? local bottle shop I go to in Tacoma called Peaks and Pints. They are phenomenal at getting fresh hop, wet hop, all of the newest oh, Pacific nice. Northwest beers that come in. They're still releasing now, so different breweries are still just now releasing their fresh hop beers, depending on kind of I guess when they get their when they're able to get their harvest. Well, I'm just thinking, so we, we were in Denver last weekend, right? Or around uh, the 24th, I guess. And if this was packaged on the 15th, then there, there was a very quick turn time for the brewery to get to the, this to the bottle shop, and then for you to bring this to, the, to Denver, and then for us to be drinking it now. It's, it's, a, it's an incredible turn time over the course of about four weeks yeah. uh, since this was packaged. Oh, yeah it's we'll we'll touch on it but it all has to move very quickly and that's kind of the the premise of the fresh hop but rob that's a great transition so as i mentioned earlier tonight our main topic is hops that amazing little green cone that brings so much life to the beer that we love and so first i'm going to give you before we dive into the specifics of of fresh hops and, and some of the other ways that hops can be used i'm going to just give you some kind of quick hop facts and stats and then I'm going to pass it off to Josh to kind of intro us to the fresh hop. But first, some statistics about hops. So, and some of these things, I mean, me as a beer fan, some of these things are, are new to me that I learned in researching this episode. So hops, some of those things, hops are best grown between like the 35 degrees and 55 degrees latitude, which encompasses a vast majority of the United States. I mean, it goes as far <laughs> south as Northern Arizona, Northern Texas, like all the way down there. So there's a pretty wide band of, of areas within the United States that probably could grow hops. Um, you think about the major hop producers, you know, United States, England, Germany, 
but it's also on the, the opposite side. On the southern side, you have hops that are grown out of Australia, New Zealand, and Argentina. So it would it'd be really interesting to see, you know, how those differ between the northern hemisphere and the southern hemisphere. One of the other things that I learned was that in within hops, all of those cones that actually do get used in the beer making process, they're all the female plant. The male plant just has a part in kind of the like insemination and the production process before all the growth. But all of those binds that you see, everything that's like all the images, all those cones, all of those are female plants. Now, isn't that similar to another very specific plant that people don't necessarily drink, but they do other things with, <laughs> like eat, put it into devices that then they light it on fire and then breathe in really hard and it makes them feel good? Yeah. I believe that's the same thing. I believe it's only the female, the female plant, right? Because you only want the female seeds when you're doing that, when you're planting that weird plant that makes people feel also weird. I have to tell you, it, it's, it's amazing. You learn something new every episode. That, that's awesome. I did, I did not know that. Yeah, that's, I, I actually don't, I don't think I knew that either. So I believe female so. plants are the way to go. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's Those cool girl plant. plants are the great ones. <laughs> Hashtag girl plants. Uh, a little bit of a backstory, at least on the hops in the United States. So a majority of the hop breeding and research is actually funded by the USDA. And that all started back in the 1930s. And the very first hop variety that came out of all of this research and breeding was actually cascade hops, which is a hop that we're pretty well aware of and, and have experience with. in drinking. Yeah. So that was developed in the 1960s and it wasn't released until the early 1970s, either like 1971 or 1972. And it was developed at the, uh, actually Oregon state university. So another kind of fun fact or, or interesting thing that I found is the United States is the number one hop producer in the world, not by much, but we are number one. We produce 40% of the world's kind of hop harvest every year at around 40% and Germany is second at around 38%. So it usually seems to be a tight race between the U S and Germany between kind of production numbers. And I wonder if most of that is actually used by us versus exported. I, I would imagine the, the vast majority is, is enjoyed here. Yeah, I would think so. Especially with like the explosion of mm -hmm. the craft beer industry and, and kind of what everyone is experiencing around the country with just, so much, so many breweries and so much craft beer popping up. Uh, and now I'm going to just kind of give you a couple more recent facts. So um, in 2019, the USDA puts out a national hop report, which is another thing I learned in researching this episode. Oh, yeah. So in, in uh, the number one producer in the United States is the state of Washington, and they produce around 73% of the nation's hops. Wow, that's higher than I thought it would be. Yeah, much higher. Yeah, the, the next closest is um, either Idaho or Oregon. Those are like the two closest. And they're around yeah. like 12, 13% each. And then in, in 2020, just some quick numbers about 2020 this year. As right now, we're just wrapping up the harvest. We don't have like the final numbers. But going from last year to this year, they increased potential, what they call uh, strong for harvest acres. So not necessarily what they end up harvesting, but what they think they're going to harvest, what they prepare for. We had a 5% increase from 2019. And, and Wes, we've talked 
maybe offline or in uh, last week's episode, but the state of Washington and probably the Pacific Northwest has been pretty hit recently by, by wildfires. So I definitely expect the numbers maybe to dip a little bit because it does seem, I've seen multiple articles about at least Eastern Washington hop farms kind of pulling back on their acreage, but overall, um, when you when you take into all the numbers around the United States, there's been an increase in total strung for harvest acres, but it'll be interesting kind of as we get to later this year, what those what those numbers are. For this is your chance to get into smoked beers, Andy. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> different different kind of smoked oh. beers. Oh no. man, Josh. <laughs> How long have you been waiting to say that one, Josh? <laughs> At least 30 seconds. And just yeah. so the audience knows, we, we, while we might not be together, we are on a Zoom meeting and we can see each other. And Josh was giggling for at least 30 seconds before he said that. <laughs> he was preparing that dad joke. Yep. <laughs> so I'm also, I'm going to throw a quick quiz out to the group. So I have the, I have the list in front of me of the top five varieties of hops that were strung oh, for harvest shit. this year by total acres. I think you'll be able to definitely get some of them, but does anyone have a guess about what is like one of or two of the top five? Mosaic. Correct. Mosaic is on that list. Simcoe. Simcoe is on that list. Cascade. Cascade is on that list. Centennial. Centennial is not on that Shit. list. Wow. Centennial is, Centennial is a great hop because it isn't as popular. It's still great. It's and it's, it's one of the homebrew. Yeah, it's one of the ones homebrewers go for. So I think oh, we're, we're, we're you guys two. are definitely missing one that is extremely popular. Uh-oh. You guys, it's a couple more seconds. When you say it, Citra. Um, oh yeah, of course. That that's Jesus. probably number one. And, and then we what, just lost ten followers. Yeah, yep. exactly. <laughs> you lost all the Citra <laughs> hop. I'm gonna edit that back to the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> just re- someone record themselves later saying Citra. <laughs> and we'll just pop that in. <laughs> But the last one on the list that actually surprised me because I don't know if I've ever heard of any of these three varieties or how they group them, but on the list, they call it CTZ, which stands for Mm -hmm. Columbus, Tomahawk, and Zeus. Interesting. I've not heard of those either. Josh, have you heard of them? I I have. CTZ has been picking up in terms of use because it pairs well with other hops. I haven't seen any sort of CTZ being used by itself. Um, but it pairs really well. And with some of the cost increases of Citra, a lot of breweries, especially in like Colorado, um, sort of the the states that don't do as much of a hop harvest, they'll use them as sort of a, a replacement that is, uh, is easier and cheaper to get. Kind of like a filler hop almost. Kind of. It, it just pairs well and, and it yeah. brings a lot of the flavor and then you can still highlight other hops. Interesting. I learned something new every day, Josh. Thank you for sharing that knowledge. So much learning in this episode. (laughs) Jeez. Too much. Too much. (laughs) All right. So I I think that's enough hop facts for now. So I think it's time we talk about some fresh hops, especially because we are drinking a fresh hop beer. So Josh, I'm going to pass it over to you. What can you tell us about fresh hops? The honest truth, a fresh hop is just a technique where brewers will use either preserved and by preserved, I mean they can freeze them. Sometimes they'll kiln or, or bake them. But basically, just using a whole leap hop as part of the, the brewing process rather than using pellets uh, like you would in, in more of a standard beer. So they're, they're not doing too much grinding or anything. They're still creating a beer with a whole leaf hop. They are just doing some stuff to preserve that and being able to do it a little bit further into the season 
versus taking something that's brand new and, and trying to make a beer with it. Yeah. And, and one thing that we, that I kind of found in my research on, on this topic is that there's almost like a subcategory of fresh hops. And that is a little bit of like a semantic battle, at least in the brewing industry, but the, the term used is, is a wet hop. So mm -hmm. to kind of go off of what you were saying about kind of, you know, that those like fresh hops that are, are taken and within really within a 24 hour period of time, they are picked and they are then added into a brewing recipe. That is like what kind of encompasses that term fresh. It usually happens within a 24 hour period, but a wet hop is, is a fresh hop that has not been kiln dried. So if you've ever looked at pictures of, of like hop kilns, like when they're drying them, it is massive. They just lay them out and they dry them very quickly with hot air. And so a wet hop is just, you know, full cone hops that are picked and within 24 hours are delivered to a brewery to be added to a recipe, but they are not kiln dried. And, and, and that's the advantage you have of, of being more local to like the Yakima like region mm -hmm. is that people can do that. And within 24 hours, they can sort of make a beer. If you want to be able to give that same ability to someone throughout the rest of the United States, they kind of have to go more fresh hop, even if it, it is a sort of a semantic battle. Um, that's really the only way to get it to them if they're if they're more than 24 hours away. Yeah, and I do believe that, like like Andy said, the the agreement among brewers is literally a 24 hour turnaround. So that thing is literally getting pulled off the vine, thrown in a truck, driven to a brewery, and pointing straight in to a boil. So I mean, that is that's a quick turnaround. You're not you're not taking that across the country. You're driving that down the road for somebody so they can be ready and start their brewing process, which it's pretty impressive that people Kinda are cool. able to plan that. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, it sounds extremely challenging. In fact, one one quote that um, I'll just mention real quick uh, from the Washington Beer blog, Kendall Jones wrote an article, which I, I think this is actually fairly old. I think it was back from like 2012, 2013. And then I think he, he may have updated it uh, a couple of years ago. But the quote that he mentioned is, it's like trying to make tea with freshly picked leaves instead of using a Lipton tea bag which I think is a perfect representation of, of just how challenging it is to, to use or to try to brew using these fresh hopped, uh, uh, fresh hops instead of, um, instead of using the pellets that, that most breweries do use. Oh yeah. I mean, Rob, you bring up a good point when you, you know, fresh hops are less concentrated than those pelletized hops because those have been dried, condensed, you know, very like packed heavy. So you don't need to use that many. So for fresh, for fresh hops, you need to use way more like multiple, like multiples of what you would normally need to use for a large batch of beer to even achieve the same flavor as you would with a pellet. So I completely agree about that challenge that a lot of breweries face and a lot of probably experimentation that has to go into it even before they're willing to maybe release a beer to the public. Yeah. You'll probably yeah. get a lot of like experimental rounds first. That's a good point. You have to try fresh hopping before you just give it to people, which is kind of mm -hmm. scary. Yeah. You can buy a bunch of hops and <laughs> maybe mess them. it up. Um, but it makes sense. You know, before researching this episode, I didn't think about this, but that everybody talked about how you have to use way more hops for fresh hopping. And it makes sense because what we know is a hop, like a hop beer is that pellet and that pellet dissolves 
once you throw it, we know that from home brewing, the pellet dissolves into the beer so that you get it throughout the beer. And even when you filter it out at the end, there's still a lot of that in there. But with a fresh hop, that's just a whole little cone sitting in there, you know? So you got to put yeah. a ton of it in there to be able to get all that oil off of it and let it get into the beer. So it, it makes sense. You have to use a lot more, which once again, to your point, Andy, you, like it's a little scary to be like, yeah, let's just try it. Let's see what happens. And <laughs> let's what try it with it up after pounds of just yeah. tons of hops. And I'm sure you have to pay a little bit more to get the fresh hops because that's like a whole different process for that uh, hop farm to make sure to get like set some outside for you and give it to you in your truck or delivery truck and get it over to you. It's an expensive experiment. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've heard plenty of stories of breweries and just kind of read, whether that be like via Instagram or, or actual, like more, I guess, professionally written articles about fresh hop beers, but stories of breweries in the Pacific Northwest driving, like being there when the harvest happens so that they have a full like you know i guess 23 hours to get it back to their brewery however far that drive may be yeah. like they are running vans they're running trucks and they are working within that 24 hour window that kind of like gentleman's agreement of a fresh hop uh because of you know that that freshness goes away if it's not kiln dried if it's not preserved in, in the other ways that they are preserving them um, kind of, I want to tie this back a little bit to the beer we just had. Some of the, some of the kind of flavor notes or kind of the distinctive aromas and flavors you get from a fresh hop are, are like more grassy, plant-like, and more like green flavor profiles, without necessarily the bitterness that you get from pellets. Would you say that that's something that you tasted or experienced with the Crikey Fresh uh, Fresh Hop? I think that's the bite that we were all talking about. Um, it's hard to it's hard to really know without comparing it side by side. I um, mean, Andy, you might know better than than we would, just on how this compares to the the um, your your standard crikey. Um, but to me, I, I, there's there seems to be a lot of aromas and a lot of taste that comes out of this. And my guess is you're not getting this from the normal crikey, but I'm, I, you might have a better sense on that than than we would. And I, mean, Josh, I, I feel like I should definitely go out and try one like tomorrow because yeah. looking yeah. at the normal crikey, it has 53 IBU as it's kind of listed IBU. So not, I mean, it's right in the same it's range, right around the same but I would imagine yeah. it is a very different bitterness that you get. It has to be when they use pallets versus the full cone. Yeah. Fresh. I just feel like, I feel like you just get a lot more aroma in this beer. And I, once again, I don't know what the crikey is, but there's a lot of aroma and there's a lot of like herbaceousness to the flavor of it too. Like, I feel like it's, it's like really coming at you. Like a lot of flavors, a lot of like, it's almost hard to pinpoint what flavors you have because so much is coming at you. And I, I would at least think that that's the fresh hop just because I'm not used to this much flavor and just especially just with a standard american ipa well and the flavor's good and this may just be me comparing it to some of the other you know beers that i've had recently i do get a fresh scent so I, i'm still picking up all the flavors but there is a bit of a fresh crispness to this that i would imagine that if it wasn't fresh hop that, that you wouldn't get yeah yeah absolutely uh and andy, andy and josh can i ask you a question though because i feel yeah. like as rob and i are i mean rob's been in texas for a long time i'm in arizona we're not really close to hot farms i think the closest any of us have really been to the hot farms other than andy this year obviously mm -hmm. uh, living in the pacific northwest 
uh, you guys were in LA for a long time and at least you're, you're, you're within reach. Your breweries are within reach of being able to do this. And I think you guys might've had more chance of hitting these fresh hop. Cause I, I honestly, I don't know if I've ever even had a wet hop other than like the kind of major release, fresh hop, wet hop beers, which I almost kind of like second guess if they even really are. Same those here. Major breweries. Yeah, yeah. Same so here. I, yeah. I'd love to hear if you guys have even had any of these. I mean, the two, the two that come to mind, Andy, I think we've, we've both had both versions of this. El Segundo Brewing in uh, El Segundo, California, they would do, uh, during the, the correct time period, they would have a wet hop versions of their different IPAs and pale ales. Um, so we had a chance to have a Mayberry IPA wet hop as well as a uh, Simcoe pale ale wet hop. Um, looking back at my reviews, it was a little while ago, all of the wet hops, I did give a higher rating, didn't write any sort of notes down. Um, I would imagine that some of what we've talked about is part of the reason for that. The one thing that's a bummer that, that I don't know, and maybe Andy does, is where specifically El Segundo is getting their hops from, if it truly is up in Washington or wherever, and how they, they got those within 24 hours or sort of whatever the grace period you want to give. But I, I just looking back at my notes, um, it, I did give it a higher rating and there was probably a reason that I enjoyed it more than the traditional version. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was what, five years ago that we had yeah, those. It beers. Was a while ago. <laughs> so it's, <laughs> it's really hard to kind of recall that, but untapped is, is helpful to do that. I mean, I would, you know, knowing that almost, I mean, at least 90% of the hops grown in the United States are grown between Washington, Oregon, and Idaho, my my closest guess would be that Gotta they be. got them from somewhere in Oregon because that's the closest. I mean, I could easily see it. You know, you're paying for a, a pretty hefty FedEx uh, extreme overnight delivery, or you're having someone drive a van overnight with a case of Red Bull to just get those <laughs> hops back. Which, and I think to Wes, to your point, that that's why the only beers I've checked in so far that have been at least classified as as fresh hop, and I'm I'm using air quotes, um, um, are are from big large brewers, uh, Sierra Nevada, Lagunitas, Deschutes, um, which hard to get. Sierra Nevada has the Celebration Ale, which they've had that for several years now. Um, Lagunitas with Born Yesterday Pale Ale. And then Deschutes with Fresh Squeeze. Those are the really the only ones I think that going through my untapped beer history that I could see that I've had that at least classify themselves as fresh hopped. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. Um, I, the only ones I've had are major releases. I feel like it, it's always questionable. Like that's a lot of fresh hops that they have to buy. So uh, same same as you, Rob. You know, like I'm sure I'm sure it is fresh hopped. I'm sure they meet their criteria, but I'm just wondering if we get that same like flavor out of those major releases that uh, Andy is able to do with those, those really local releases close to the farms. Yeah. I would say it's hard because, you know, we are now what about 21 days after this was packaged. And for those larger release, much larger breweries, it's much harder to, I guess, decipher, determine like when you're going to get, when you finally get to taste that beer and, and compared to when it was packaged. I think we definitely figured out where our 2021 third quarter 
Brews Day Summit is going to be, though. I think we've all Absolutely. decided yeah, we're, going to, we're going to eat. <laughs> we're, yeah, we're, we're all going sleeping to, on. We're going to the Yakima Valley. <laughs> I'm in. Yeah, I'm in too, man. I'm, I'm. I'll. I'll pick you guys up at the airport close by. All right, there we go. All right, so I think that's enough about fresh hops, and that's that's just one way that hops are used. And, and specifically hops just after harvest. But obviously there are a few other ways that hops are used and I wanna kind of get into that right now. And, and so I'm gonna pass it off to you, Wes, to really kind of intro us to, to the idea of what dry hopping is. Yeah, so just to like confuse everybody a little bit more, just <laughs> as wet hops aren't actually wet, they're just not specifically dried, dry hops, dry hopping is not actually it has nothing to do with the hop itself. Dry hop is not the <laughs> hop. It's, it's the weirdest thing. It's not like more dry than any other hop. What you think of a hop that you have in every single beer is technically a dry hop. That's just what hops are. We dry them out. We put them in pellets and we use, we use them to brew beer. Dry hopping is actually like a verb and the brewing process. So it's actually the process of adding hops to the brew after boiling rather than normally when you're brewing a beer while boiling you add hops in which you still do dry hopping is then doing it after boiling generally in the fermentation process so the the thing about when, when you add hops to the normal brewing process that's where you really get that bitter flavor that i personally love but it also kills off a lot of the flavor and aromas that uh, of the hops that you that you get from that fresh hop. We all just talked about how we're really getting the, the, the fresh aromas and flavor of the hops in that beer that we just had. Well, boil, putting it in while boiling kind of kills that off and really gives you that bitterness of the hops, which Andy and I love. That's a, kind of that double IPA flavor that we always like. Well, dry hopping is the, it allows the brewer to put it in after the boil. It still adds that hoppy flavor, but without boiling it, it kind of just keeps that aroma and flavor of the hop if you dry hop it, all that is is doing it twice. So let's say I boil my beer, I get it ready, I start my fermentation process. Let's say two days later, uh, like we, I, we, I did it with my home brewing process. I think it was three days later, I added one round of hops. I think it was seven days later, I added another round of hops. Four days later, I bottled. It's just adding hops in after the process to not, to not get rid of that aroma and flavor, but to really add that in there tenfold um so you you triple so you double yours? dry no you double dry hopped your home oh you double dry i did okay. i double I dry hop my homebrew yeah math is hard i, I lost <laughs> count there it was a you double, double dry, dry hop new england that tasted like butts it was not good <laughs> <laughs> but not because not because of the process not because of double dry hopping right. because somebody made a mistake and i was the only one doing it so it was me <laughs> So that's that's where I would argue that double dry hop doesn't make a ton of sense to me because it's more or less the recipe that you're following or that you're building. You would introduce different amounts of hops at different times. There's there's no difference between me, you know, calling it a double dry hop versus dry hop. If I'm using a pellet and I'm putting double the hops in at half the time, it's it's because I'm trying to introduce bitterness or additional flavor. There's no huge difference between me calling it a dry hop or a double dry hop, in my opinion. Yeah, it's a little yeah. bit of like another like semantics argument between like similarly yeah. 
between fresh and wet hop. It's like it's very like slight distinctions, if any, between those I, two. I agree. I think the idea behind double dry hopping rather than just single dry hopping with more hops is that closer to the end of the fermentation process before it goes to bottling, maybe you get a little bit more of that fresher aromas and flavors going into the bottle rather yep. than if you just did it three days after. I think that's why they do it. it. It kind of spreads it out, keeps it more fresh, but I, I, I agree with you. Yeah, who I, knows? Think, I think you could find one person who feels one way and one person that feels the other way. And you really couldn't say either is right or wrong. <laughs> I would say the only way to really tell though, is to do a side by side that if throughout the process, you split out your batch somehow and you add it, you double dry hop, a portion of it and the rest of it you let go and then see how it turns out yeah and then do, have a to like side by side. do two like simultaneous batches that That's one right. you only add hops in the boil process you ddh half of it and then you you let the rest of it go yeah i yeah i mean it's i i actually have at times wished that breweries would release simultaneous recipes almost like whether that be you know, dry hopped versus not, like double dry hopped or, you know, versus not. And then similarly with like, just with different hop varieties. And Josh, I think that was like something what you are doing with your home brews is using relatively the same recipe, just a different hop to see how that nets out. Yeah, that that's one of the, the ways, especially if you're new um, to home brewing is you kind of want to start with a, a very base malt. Um, and try to experiment with different hops to figure out what it is that you like so that the combinations and your your further recipes have more to do with your opinion on what sort of hops meld together best yeah. versus listening to, you know, whoever else might have an opinion on you know, what works best. Yeah, it's all about that experimentation. One one other note I'll make in in researching dry hopping and double dry hopping and triple dry hopping that I came across, and, and Wes, I would imagine you didn't run into it in your homebrew experience, but there is a <laughs> phenomenon called the hop geyser. And for breweries that are dry hopping or double dry hopping, in that process, you have to potentially lower the temperature of your container and the liquid in that container when you're about to dry hop because the the addition of new hops interact with whatever is currently in that liquid. And like, there's almost like an additional, almost an explosive release of CO2 that occurs. And if the temperature is too high and you only have one opening on your large <laughs> kind of fermenter, there's going to be an explosion of basically green and probably brown foam that just skyrockets towards whoever is adding in those hops. So if, if you have the ability to Google hop geyser and there's probably going to be some YouTube videos, some Google images of people yep. covered in foam or a geyser shooting out of a large fermenter in a small batch brewery. But that's just one kind of additional note or thought that you have to have when you're going into that dry hopping process once you get maybe outside of that like homebrew once you actually start doing more of a commercial brew yeah it's a lot of a lot of people just looking very disappointed i mean there is 
thousands Ow. of gallons shooting onto the ground of breweries. And it's, it's, uh, it's very sad looking. It's usually some guy who like has the job of like, go do the grunt work, go hop it again. <laughs> and it's just beer all over the brewery and you can't stop it. Once it's coming out that hard, it's not like you can cap it again. So it's a pretty, it's a pretty hilarious and sad at the same time. Sight to yeah. See. All right. So that's enough about the actual kind of process or the factual information about dry hopping and double dry hopping. And even in some instances, triple dry hopping. But next I want to just quickly chat with you guys about kind of some of the different dry hops or double dry hops or triple dry hop beers that we've had that we enjoy. And Rob, I'm going to kick it off with you because being in Texas where I have lived, where Josh has lived, there is, you know, I'll just say it out there. Tups, Tups Brewing, they do a DDH series that is ongoing and may never end. So I'll Great. kick it off with you, uh, Rob, and, and let us know, like, what are some of the, the DDH beers or, or dry hop beers that you've had before that you really enjoyed? Yeah, so Tups Brewery out of McKinney, Texas, they do a, a, a DDH rotating series uh, where they're constantly changing up. And it, it's it's almost like every couple months they come out with one of these. I don't know what the, the real uh, or the true um, frequency is, uh, but they come out with a different variant of their DDH IPA uh, where they change up the the hops and uh, just the style the the it's a different variant of the, of their their basically their their beer that they're releasing uh, I checked one in in episode two um, I had their series 20 uh, I gave it a 4.25 it has an average of 4.13 I just recently and this is the one that they have out currently, uh, is series 24. Uh, I just gave this one, actually, I wasn't a big fan of this one. I gave it a 3.7 has an average of 3.87, but I will say that this series that they have out typically has some of some very quality beers. Um, this latest one, I wasn't a fan of just because I feel like it was lighter in flavor. Uh, but typically, uh, Tup's DDH series and usually it just increases in the number um, that they it usually is a quality beer that, that I know several of us have had recent or not recently, but several of us have had uh, over the course of the last couple of years, Josh and I have checked in many of them at uh, metal Samoth, a popular bar that we like to call out in Dallas, Texas. Andy, I think you've had a couple. I've had um, six. Six. I've had yeah. six different variations of it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's quality. Um, actually this latest one that I I've had, I think is probably the, the, my least favorite I'd say of the entire series. Uh, but I will say that overall in general, I really like what they do. Um, a Andy, you said you'd had six of them. It sort yeah. of made me wonder how, how many I've had. I've had 15 of them. 15. Um, damn. Oh. It, it doesn't have a lot to do. Honestly, this kind of gets us away from the DDH conversation. The, the great thing about the series and something we've talked about is the fact that they don't, the series isn't just this minor tweak. It goes all the way from like a really crisp New England to the last one that I had, which was DDH 19. It was a chocolate orange New England beer. Oh, I had yeah. that one too. There, there's <laughs> huge, yeah, there's, there's huge varieties. They all hit or miss, but it's not, it's not a company who's just saying like, I'm going to make a very similar beer and give it a new name no. to, to get people into it. Um, so 
Tufts DDH, it, it's a great series. And if you haven't had it, um, you should try to track it down. Uh, it's awesome. In addition, we, I kind of talked crap about DDH. At the same time, a lot of the beers that I have had that I really liked employ that method. So in the steep, DDH uh, is a New England IPA that's great. Turning Point makes a, a bunch of them. Uh, they have a Fleeb juice uh, that's, that's also good. So I think the, the method produces really great beer. Just the question of, you know, what's a dry hop versus a double dry hop. To me, all of those mostly fall in the same category. And I'm just a fan of that beer type in general. Yeah, Josh, yeah. similar to your conversation or what you were saying about fresh hop and wet hop earlier, I think you guys had had the wet hop variety of the El Segundo and the normal variety of the El Segundo. I think I've seen that more with the, at least out here, because I don't get the wet hop and fresh hop that much in Arizona, but I have seen a lot of double dry hops out here. And um, I've had a couple that I just wanted to point out that I've had the normal one and the, the standard one. I just wanted to point out that Goldwater Brewing Company, their hop chowda is their like their big release New England IPA. It's very, very good. It averages a 399 and it's all over the valley here. Um, and I think it goes a little bit outside of the state even. Their double dry hop, hop chowda, is a 4.28. So you're seeing a 0.3 raise and 4.28 wow, average is great. Um, I've yeah. had both. I definitely agree. The double dry hop is way better. Way better. Um, Renhouse, you know, guys, I talk way too much about Renhouse, but their <laughs> spellbinder is the exact same way. It's their standard New England that you can find in any bar around here. Um, they have their, their normal spellbinder is a 4.08. The double dry hop spellbinder that they just released that I just actually had before this episode uh, is a 4.43. So huge jump. That could yeah. be a little bit of, for both of them, a little bit of like the limited release that gives it a, a bump. But I would, mm -hmm. I would argue that I've had both of them and I would agree that they are both significantly better than their standard brothers, I would say. So now you just need a fresh hop spellbinder and then we can really really compare yeah i don't think they're using arizona hops though, <laughs> so i think we're screwed probably not <laughs> well i'm gonna i'm gonna call out one more that we actually mentioned in in the last episode but weird and gilly was a ddh ipa that we had when we were all in yeah. denver and and obviously uh i believe it was josh and i had it for the first time in denver and wes and rob you both had it i think earlier this year in 2020, like in June and July, but that was another one. I mean, the average rating for us on that, on that one beer across our four ratings was somewhere like 3.95, like somewhere between three, nine and four. So it definitely seems like across the spectrum that DDH beers end up tasting delicious for the reasons that you mentioned earlier, Wes, about, you know, the addition of, of hops, after the fact during that fermentation process. Yeah, well, I mean, just to wrap it up real quick, it's just funny that both of these processes are both to give you a little bit more of the flavor of the hops, not just the bitter bitterness of the hops, which is cool. Yeah. I mean, they're literally just trying yeah. to like, Hey, taste this hop. Don't just, we're not just putting it or make it bitter. Obviously when you do the standard process, it's still giving its flavor. You lose all those oils. It's just cool that both of these are letting us taste the hop and smell the hop a little bit more, which I mean, I'm all for that's and, and that's why I like them both. I would I would say I'm, I'm welcome to both styles, because that's what I'm looking for the hoppier the better. Yeah, absolutely. I would completely agree with all that that you just said.
All right. So I think that wraps up the dry hop DDH topic. And we're going to quickly jump to a homebrew update before the break. And that's all on me because uh, we drank Josh's homebrew during last week's episode, episode 14. So this week I am owning the homebrew update. I just this past weekend bottled, went from fermentation to bottling. There's going to be no dry hopping or double dry hopping taking place <laughs> in this one. Come on, Andy. Nope. Not, I'm not trying it on this Some one. Boring old standard hopping, huh? Just a boring <laughs> old single hop IPA. <laughs> so for the listeners that do remember, and for those that don't remember, I'm making a Chinook IPA from Northern Brewer. It's their recipe. I did take the original gravity and the final gravity, which is a step from the first brew to the second brew. That's a little bit of step up in tech. Got a, you got got scientific. Yeah, All got right. a little yeah. bit more scientific. I have a little gravity thermometer basically is what it is. It just floats in the liquid. Uh, so my right now, what I'm, I, I used a couple different methods, but like to calculate and, and they didn't get the same answer, but they all got around six and a half percent ABV. So I bottled it this past Sunday. We're going to have about another two weeks before I can drink it. I, I will do a live taste test on episode 17. So that will, that will be my unique beer of the week. Then will be my, uh, my homebrew, my Chinook IPA. I will say that I'm still very scared about <laughs> this one because second brews don't have a good track record amongst no. our group. So, and, and the other thing is that, that Josh's was Oak okay, was good. And mine was terrible. <laughs> I'm also, I'm also taking like a deep, like a deep cut all the way back to college. When, oh, when that's, Rob's yeah. roommate, that's where this came from. When Rob's roommate at the time, Kyle decided to brew his second batch and K one was great. And K two <laughs> was a massive fail. So the second brew is where is the true test of like when, you know, it seems like things can go very wrong in the second brew. I will say that in looking at the fermentation, I kind of peeked in on it every once in a while. I never saw an actual bubble pop up. That makes me worried. I Yes, that makes me worried too. <laughs> but when I was transitioning it from the fermentation process to the bottling and conditioning, yeah, you gotta taste it. I did taste it. It tasted like flat beer. I'm okay. still here. I didn't tip over or like faint or anything like that. So <laughs> not poison, at least at this point. Um, I did actually do a slightly different process from brew one to brew two. I have now have a couple like 32 ounce, like, um, like flip tops. So yeah. I have three flip tops that are conditioning right now. So that's different. Previously, I just used the gallon carboy and put it back in. So I'm hoping that this gives me a little bit more carbonation, but I will be live taste testing on episode 17. Oh, we got to wait two weeks. I know. Sorry. Suspense it's, is killing me. It's just yeah. what it takes. <laughs> it's just what it takes. I do have another recipe. I already have recipe three like lined up. So Ooh. when I start homebrewing, homebrew update. When I start homebrewing, I think I might just skip my second homebrew. Just so never mention three. it. Yeah. <laughs> I might just do it and then just dump it right out. Not even taste it. The other this is this is not really uh too homebrew related, but based on our discussion on fresh hops and, and sort of the amount that it would take to get the freshness in there, 
Um, one thing that, that I'm now kind of interested in doing is potentially trying to, if I could get my hands on some sort of fresh hop, um, combining that with pellets so that I don't necessarily have to have pounds and pounds of fresh hops, um, but somehow merge the, the flavor of pellet with the freshness of, uh, of something that's clean and, and new. We can coordinate a trip where I pick some up and fly out. Let's just, let's just make that happen. Yeah, let's do that. I'm local to the hops and I can get to you. <laughs> Now, if, sounds, if you do great. a comparison, or sorry, if you combine fresh and pellets, are you still going to call that a uh, fresh hop? No, I get to come up with a brand new name. Oh, interesting. Hybrid hop. Yeah, okay. hybrid hops. <laughs> You're probably not the first to do that. Yeah, no, definitely not. <laughs> nobody, nobody needs to know that. <laughs> All right, so I think that's enough for the first half of today's episode. We're going to take a quick break. And we will be right back with our unique beer of the week. Hey there. Thanks for checking out the Brews Day podcast. For more content or to leave a comment, check out our Instagram and Twitter accounts at the Brews Day. And for your daily dose of beer photos and reviews, check us out on Instagram at the Brews Day Review. Cheers. And now back to the show. All right, welcome back. So we are going to jump right into our unique beer of the week. And Josh, I'm going to pass it off to you to yeah. let us know what you're drinking. Mine comes with a mini story. So I went to Telluride this weekend, uh, went to Smuggler, Telluride Brewing. On my way back, I stopped a small town called Dolores, has Dolores Brewing, and uh, went and picked up a couple of beers, one of them being this Snaggletooth Pale Ale. Uh, it's a 6.2% ABV, 40 IBU. Uh, untapped average of 3.72 with only 241 check-ins. Initial flavor, uh, it has a bit of a guava taste to it, um, but it still has a lot of the pale aleness that, that I'm kind of looking for. 372 is, is probably around where I'll end up. Maybe maybe just a, a tad bit below, but it's, uh, it's good. Nice. Uh, Wes, what are you drinking? Yeah, I'm drinking a beer. I feel like before I even got to taste this beer, there were so many cool things about it. First of all, the name of this beer is... You say goodbye, I say hello. So we're already going with a Beatles reference. Cool beer. It is by, is a double dry hopped, hazy IPA, kind of an ode to the episode. It's by Goldrotter Brewing Company, who I mentioned earlier, out of Scottsdale, Arizona. It is a collaboration with King's Beer and Wine, one of my very favorite bottle shops out here. Rob's yeah, you love there. me some Kings. It yep. is a great, great place. It's a really so cool place. We're already winning here. Then we go to the third part of why I'm so excited about this is it's eight, it's a first of all, it's an eight percent uh beer, but it's got a four point four two average on untapped, only seventy-nine wow. check-ins. But holy shit. The fourth reason I'm excited about it is I just tasted it and god damn it's good. <laughs> this is no I four point four two does not do it justice. I'm three sips into this, and I'm over a four or five, no question. Wow. I would compare nice. this to the cerebral beers we had. Um, very tasty, very smooth. It's exactly what we talked about with that double dry hop is you get the aroma. It's not that bitter. It's just super smooth. I'm in love with this beer. I don't know exactly what I'm rating, rating it, but it's definitely over a four or five. So, Andy, I'll go next. Uh, Wes, I'm going to triple stamp your double stamp. I've oh, got a – Whoa. I've got a triple dry hopped IPA uh, called Can't Tell Me Nothing by Barrier Brewing Company out of Oceanside, New York. 
Uh, it's in collaboration with Equilibrium Brewery uh, out of Middleton, New York. It's a 7.8% ABV. IBU isn't listed. They don't publish it. My guess is it's probably less than 50. It, there's just not a lot of uh, bitterness to it. Uh, it has an untapped average of 4.1, so much less than than yours, Wes, uh, with 3,600 check-ins on untapped. It's a unique for all of us. I have to say I probably am not going to go as high as you did, Wes, with your 4.5. So my triple stamp on your double stamp, I'm doing it just to to one-up you here. But I'm probably going <laughs> to – my average – my check-in or my, my rating on this beer is probably going to be – probably around a 4.1, 4.2, right around where it actually comes in at uh, on untapped. It is a solid beer. I really enjoy it. It's balanced and and really, uh, I'm really enjoying it. Uh, but I will say it's probably not as, uh, I, now I really want to try yours, Wes. I don't know if you can <laughs> ship that to I really <laughs> sold it to you guys. Yeah, yeah you did. Yeah. Um, I will say though, Rob, Barrier makes some very good beer. I've not had a beer yeah. that I didn't like from Barrier. And I this honestly one is don't- solid. I don't know if I've had a beer that I didn't rate over four from Barrier. So kudos to them. Wes, I am going to call out that you basically had or listed out the three keys to delicious beer when you when you gave that so i did one of them was not hope though this was hope. three actual good keys to a great you beer. hoped it was good <laughs> yeah <laughs> well, i'll go last on the unique beers I'm drinking uh, Fields of Green, which is a wet hop hazy IPA. So hearkening back to the fresh hop. This is from Fort George Brewery in Astoria, Oregon. 7.6% ABV. There's no IBU listed. The untapped average on this one is a whopping 4.4. And it has only 280 check-ins before today. And... I will absolutely say that my initial rating is in the four, five, four, six. I get a heavy citrus, almost orange juice feeling from this. And I definitely get that flavor heavy on the citrus. This was only released on September 25th. So I'm within that kind of like two week range of canned packaging to release to, to, you know, tasting. And the, this is all citra hops coming from, a hop farm in Oregon. So heavily Oregon on this one. I'm a huge fan, super murky, even looks like orange juice in the glass. I'm a big fan of this one. I'm going to be a four five or a four six. That's awesome. I, I don't mean to harp on my beer because I just kind of gave it a little bit mini <laughs> lo- love affair though, but I wasn't going to say this in what I was going to say. Cause I, I read this last week, but uh, Kings beer and wine the guy, I believe his name is Mikey, who owns it, actually just sold it. Um, he sold it oh, to man. some very big craft beer fans and people who are fans of his place. So it's cool. They've, they've already agreed to keep it what it is. Um, so it's a little bit of sad news. But I will say that I, I wanted to chime in and say this because I'm looking at this beer and it says, thank you, Arizona, for the great beers, memories, and support. Mikey Salem, which is pretty cool that they let him put that on this can. It's oh, yeah. like his that's his farewell beer. Yeah. Cool touch. Now you got to give it a higher rating. Yeah, I feel like it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> a lot of little a bonus bump. points and yeah, a little bumps yeah. going on here. Well, that's good. I think we'll uh, jump now to the big board. We'll do a uh, very elongated recap of last mm. week's big board. I, <laughs> I think. don't know. What? You don't want to? 
Mm -mm. So last week we were guessing on the Preakness Stakes horse race and we picked one, we each picked one horse from the top seven and we picked one horse from the bottom four and it was basically like a combined finish. So it was your, you know, higher place horse and your like that total number. So Mm -hmm. we'll kind of start from the dead last position moving forward and really going to harp on this one, but Rob got dead last. So he chose thousand words and pneumatic. They reached a combined place of 18th with a eighth place and 10th place finish. So he gets zero points for last week. Wes got third. He actually chose the winner, but he also chose the worst, <laughs> the live your beast life. Decided to have a couple too How many. Live beasts. May, may I Ooh. chime in here for a second? Absolutely. Real quick. I just want to say that the problem is, is I did pick the winner, which I would like to give myself a little bit of kudos yep. for. Oh, you get but kudos. I didn't, I didn't believe in myself. I did go after our episode. I went and bet on Swiss Skydiver. Wow. I did look at saying, okay, let's bet on him getting first. And then I went, ah, that's too mm. risky. Place. And I was like, you can bet on, does he get top two? And I was like, I, and I was oh, about no. to click yes. And I didn't do it. And I said top three and I did bet on him. I won off my $5 bet, a whopping $15. Do you know what I would have gotten if I bet just top two? $100. Do you know if I just believed in <laughs> oh, myself oh my and bet on the winner? I would have gotten $350 oh, man, for a $5 bet. Wow. I was, I mean, I'm happy to win $15 because I just bet yeah. on sports for fun, but holy shit. Five, I was literally beers. about to click the button on both of those. And so I, I believe the reason I got third is because I did not believe in myself. Well, That's I have my to say, one key to victory. I chose a, th- a thousand words in pneumatic, and right now I'm at a loss of words. I, I will <laughs> oh, say, yeah. <laughs> dead last, zero points. I, I don't even know what to say right now. You don't have to say much because we're saying it for you, Rob. <laughs> yeah, you let's go ahead and move on. Yeah. Let's move on. <laughs> All right, so kind of jumping to second place. Josh chose authentic and accession. Uh, didn't really exceed too much in that position because accession got sixth and authentic got second. So Josh ended up with two points and I pat myself on the back. I won last week. I chose art collector who finished fourth and Jesus's team finished yeah. third. So, y- you know, you win when Andy, you your Jesus. bottom, your bottom choice finished above your first choice. That is true, but yeah. I'm okay with it. Wait, what? <laughs> I will I will say that my I, I picked the first place person, and then you guys were laughing that my my second pick got dead last. We picked all the bottom horses. I'm just the only one who had a bottom horse that actually Rob did too, but we're yeah. the only ones who picked bottom horses that actually finished yeah. bottom. You guys just have weird ass. Ah, I'm, I'm disappointed. I'm sorry. I would, Congratulations, I would like to Andy. think it's because – I've 2020s upside down. You hoped I've yeah. maintained my mantra of closing. You're, you're but did like, you did you believe in yourself and did you bet on Jesus's team? I did not bet on Jesus. Five dollars on Jesus's team to get third Oof. probably would have won yeah, you a you, lot. You could have done top three five hundred dollars. Um, <laughs> Andy, the climb and the close continues though. It you really does. Close. Yeah. So we'll do a, a quick standings update. So basically, after this past weekend's results. Rob is still in first place with a total of 30 points. Wes, you are in second place with 24 points. I, as I predicted, am closing in third place (laughs) at 21 points. 
and Josh is languishing in the back in fourth place with 19 points. I'm sorry. I got second last. place and somehow went backwards. So good job, Andy. Well, there, there's definitely a difference between first and second. I mean, that's like, <laughs> that's a two point swing right there. Newly in dead last. Josh, do you have anything yeah. to say? I, I really don't. Okay. That's fine. <laughs> he's, he's looking ahead. He's looking ahead to this week's big board. So moving ahead to this week's big board, we are doing the Eiffel Grand Prix, which you would think is France, but it's actually Germany. It is the German Grand Prix for Formula One this weekend. We are going to pick the winner, and the tiebreaker, I guess, is going to be the uh, p- finishing position of the driver you selected. So, Rob, you have the luxury of getting to select first because you got dead last last week. Oh, so man. who's going to be your pick? And you I don't know stressed if a- about this. Yeah, I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad <laughs> thing. There is a. I will say there's there's a definitely it, it's kind of nice to be one of the last picks which i've had the fortune of of being one of the last picks uh for quite some time now unfortunately i now have the first pick and i am going to take the top rated top uh individual which is lewis hamilton the british driver um he is uh yeah he's he's got the best odds so that's what i'm going with <laughs> I like you were it. About to get I don't know anything. You're like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know. <laughs> All right, Wes, you are going next because you yes. got third. Yes, I am next. And I think I'm going to stay with the same strategy. I'm going to stay with the, I don't know what the hell about this, anything about this sport. I don't know what I'm doing, but I think I just like that third ranked guy. And I'm going yeah. with Max Verspotten. Is how I'm going to say it. I'm almost <laughs> okay. positive that's exactly how you say it. Great <laughs> like job it. to me. Yeah. And, and didn't that's he win last year? I have no idea. He did win last year. He did win the yes, 20th. Yes, he did. Edition. That's why I also picked him. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly picked him because he was third because uh, Swiss Skydiver was third. He yeah, won. Horse race. So I went with the third place guy in this one. It's probably not going to happen again, but hey, no, let's it, try it. Might. Will you be betting on him? Will Hell you yeah. believe in yourself? Ooh. Absolutely. <laughs> he's going to bet that top five again. position. <laughs> I don't believe that much. I got. I got to admit to you guys. <laughs> All right, Joshua, who do you got? All right, I'm going to go with uh, with the second highest ranked uh, person that I know almost nothing about. This uh, Valtteri Botas, which is how I'm pronouncing his name, and I'm sure it's it's wrong. Uh, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go with him because I think he's he's gonna win. Because you're happy I didn't pick the second ranked person, so you did. Yes. Yep. That's a, <laughs> yeah. That's just fair. Just hundred percent. I, I wasn't gonna go to number four. <laughs> well, I'm gonna do you one better, Josh. So I will I will go last because I got first last week. I'm actually gonna jump a little bit further down the odds wow. board, and I'm gonna take the young gun. I'm gonna go Lando Norris. Oh, wow. He is a mm. 20-year-old wonder kid who has definitely made a mark in Formula One. And I'm, I, think, I think this is going to be a breakout weekend for him. I'm like worried it. that Andy actually did research on this. He went down he to nine. But the thing is, this is just as we proved in the horse race, it is a crapshoot. We're looking at odds, <laughs> but 
we have no idea what's going to happen. So it really is. It's probably a good choice. Yeah, good choice, Andy. Good yep. choice, John. We, shall we see all had good choices. <laughs> we, we all, all had great, great choices. We are geniuses. Thanks, <laughs> we are great. Yeah. yeah, we are great. All right. So next, we're going to jump to our lightning round, and this week. We're going to focus on hops. So the setup for the lightning round this week, we've moved on to 2021. 2020 is in the, is in the, you know, behind us in the backseat or behind us in the rear view mirror. But the world because of 2020 has gone bonkers. And for some reason you've now come to own a hop farm where you live and you get to create a new hop variety. So I want you to give me your hop variety name and three flavor or aroma traits or notes that consumers or drinkers will get when drinking your beer that's made with your hop. So, Wes, I'm going to start with you. You got to give us a name and you got to give us like two to three of those traits or, you know, either aromas or kind of flavor notes. I'm glad you started with me, Andy, because I'm going to go a little bit, I wouldn't say boring, but it is slightly boring. And I'm gonna st- I'm gonna flip it on you. I apologize to you, the host, but I'm flipping it on you. I'm gonna give you my uh, my aromas and flavors first. I think we should go okay. that way. I'm going. I want bitter. So whatever I can do to that hop to make it more bitter when I brew a beer with it, I want that. Second, I'm going a little bit of a citrus flavor. I like that little bit of citrus in there. So whatever, however I brew that, get a little bit of citrus out of it. But I want that third thing to just be as Danky as possible. <laughs> Dank as hell. Like I just want to you just want to put your mouth like nose up to that thing and just just smell that dankness. That's what I want. That's what I really like in beers. And I feel like I haven't seen that very often lately. So that's where I'm going. And that leads me to my name. I'm going Dankosaurus. It's gonna be the okay. Dankosaurus hop variety. Yeah. There you go. I like yeah. that name. Yeah. Two, good all the hop varieties are too serious in names. I want I want a funny yeah. one. I'm going Dankosaurus. People are going to seek out Dankosaurus. If I name it Dankosaurus and it does, it does what I'm naming here, I feel like just by name, <laughs> by marketing alone, I'm yes. going to get some customers. Yeah, you definitely need – it better be Dank. If you're going to say Dank in the name, you yeah, live up to the name. Yeah. With a name like that, it, it, yeah, it better be. <laughs> All right, Rob, we'll go to you next. So I'm obviously I, – I come from Pittsburgh. I'm from Pittsburgh. So everything about my hop, my hops are going to be Pittsburgh oriented. Iron Mill. Um, nah, so I'm going to be calling them <laughs> Yinzer hops. Uh, Yinzer is a name to a, a local, somebody that's from Pittsburgh. Anyone that is from Pittsburgh that's listening will certainly understand what a Yinzer is. Um, so for me, uh, it, it's, it has to be a Pittsburgh themed hop varietal. Um, I would say I'm thinking something super bitter something strong and bold like uh uh the sports teams and limited in floral notes so uh probably more on the dry side and i would say if if you know yinzer hops would definitely yield some sort of less on the taste or the floral side but more on uh like the color uh it will yield a black and gold beer Whenever the, it's regardless, <laughs> black and gold. <laughs> how are, can I ask? How Don't you, how worry you get about the, the process. Don't worry about gold. The I can see. <laughs> it'll, it'll mix together, and it, it will happen. 
how how happy do you think somebody would be if I sent it down outside of Pittsburgh and you just had like black swirling through the <laughs> might be questionable. Rob, I, I yeah. figured it would have somewhat of a, a metallic taste because of Pittsburgh being the steel city. Yeah, yeah you know, you might you know, everyone talks about that though. That uh, everyone, might be the black talks part. about it. You don't know. Yeah. That could steel. be steel. <laughs> Get some uh, get some metal shavings just sprinkled in there. Yeah, it's the coal and the iron ore just mixing together there. Oh, my teeth hurt. Uh, just oh. thinking about yeah, that. That, sounds, that sounds like a lot of dental work. That sounds terrible, <laughs> honestly. All right, well, I'll go next. I'm uh, I'll go I'll go with uh, flavors and aromas first before I, I give my name out as well. Flipping it on the flipping it on its head, like Wes said. So. Being from the Pacific Northwest or, or now living in the Pacific Northwest, sorry, not being from, but also being from the uh, Southern California, I definitely want to get an aroma of some seawater in there, a little bit of saltiness. So that that hits your nose first. It definitely reminds you of the ocean when you're first getting into it. Right. But I also, you know, to Wes, your point, I want, I want some good bitterness. I want a little bit of, I want some spice. I want to be a little spicy. I want a little kick when you're going to drink that beer. Because I think where I'm where I'm living now is, you know, a little, little bit of a kick in the mouth is is good every once in a while. And finally, just because I'm in the Pacific Northwest, I want it to be very piney. So I definitely want to get that that flavor kind of and aroma in there. And for people in the Pacific Northwest, um, if you think of Tacoma as it kind of compares to Seattle, there's a lot of people that say Tacoma has an aroma. So the name of my hot variety is going to be Taroma Ooh. to kind of combine Ooh. those two together. Andy, I feel like you have a very difficult, you have the most difficult job out of all of us because you are competing with literally where every hop comes from. You also have the issue of how a hop makes your beer salty. So good luck <laughs> yeah, with good luck with too. the salty hop. That might be tough. Yeah. Just like actually, maybe maybe just sprinkle get it really close to the yeah. Exactly. As long as enough ocean breeze hits the hops, yeah, they'll have salt on I, them. Yeah, I'm I'm growing my hop in western Washington near all the water, not eastern Washington. I like it. Yeah, it's, every it's every gram of hop just gets a little twist of sea salt. On exactly, top. a little salt on there. All right, and Josh, we'll finish it up with you. So I based mine off of where I'm currently located in Colorado. So I actually went pine peaches uh, which colorado is somewhat known for and floral and and i would call mine like an alpine hop variety and i think you can make it's somewhat boring to uh to some of your your guys's earlier points um, but i think you could make a really good beer out of that well josh i do want to ask a question where do peaches fit into colorado so there are multiple, this is not, not really beer specific, but there are multiple regions within Colorado who sort of specialize in peach growing. And so that's one of the fruits that, uh, that I get somewhat locally, although we're getting closer to winter, so it's going to disappear. Um, but through summer, we had a, a lot of uh, great peach harvest. Learn something new every day. I did not <laughs> know that about the state of Colorado. I didn't either. So much learning today. So yeah, much. Learning. A lot of Too learning. Wow. <laughs> I, I need to clear some room in my like memory bank up here to like fit that all in. I think that beer is doing that for you. So yeah, oh, yeah. Right. it's yeah. definitely clearing. <laughs> clearing something. Moving a lot of facts to the to the brain trash can <laughs> <Yeah>. right now. <laughs>
All right. Well, I think I'm going to hit uh, empty on my brains recycle bin on this section. We're going to move on next to the good, bad, or ugly of the week. And Rob, I'm going to kick it off with you. What is your good, bad, or ugly of the week? So to be honest, not a whole lot that's that happened or is happening for me this week. Uh, you know, I think coming off the the high of of being in Denver with all of you guys was awesome. Just just uh, that was great, uh, obviously. And so I would say my good for the week is the weather in in Dallas, Texas has just been phenomenal, and I've been able to sit out back and just enjoy the patio, uh, watching football and. Uh, you know, I'm looking forward to that for the next couple of weeks before it, it turns a little bit cooler. But, you know, really looking forward to, yeah, just continue watching some good football on the the patio. Nice. Josh, what about you? You know, to, to Rob's point, I don't have a ton. Uh, I, I, you know, we, we had a nice little four-day weekend where I got to uh, hang out with you guys and podcast live, which I thought was great. Um, and this week, I just had to go back to work. So that's, uh, that's less than thrilling. And, and I would just, I guess, call that my bad. Um, and, and I would much prefer to be exploring a city and drinking beer with, uh, with you three. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, I'll, I'll go next. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely was a, definitely a little bit of a recovery week for me after, after the Denver trip. I, I felt like I, I hit a little too hard in the last night we were in town. So earlier this week, it was a little bit of a recovery. But uh, I would say my good for this past weekend is I, I went to a pumpkin patch in the Pacific Northwest. Oh. So I got the, uh, did a corn maze, got to drink some hot apple cider. Glad you I made saw, it out of the maze. Yeah. Well, good job. I, for a moment, we were a little bit worried. It was easy at the very beginning, and then it got like a little bit hard in the middle. And we did actually make like a couple loops of a specific area of the maze, but we eventually got out. That's good. But uh, got some pumpkins, and I'm I'm excited to actually carve them this year. Again, uh, I, I carved some last need, year. But... We're gonna need picture of the pumpkin because obviously you went there, and you must have had some choices. So, did oh, you get I a chose, good pumpkin? I chose a good pumpkin. I chose a pumpkin that has a good face, a not like the face. best, like spherical all the way around, but it's got a good area for face. So we'll, we'll share that to the bruised day Instagram. Eighties <laughs> <80s> pumpkin. <laughs> Oh, for we sure. Should, I'll we put should it, do a beer, beer specific pumpkin carving contest. Ooh, <laughs> I'll put it. I'll put so, it next yeah. to. I'll put it next to one of the beers we have on an episode and like make it happen. All right, so we'll absolutely put that on the idea. Sounds very spooky. <laughs> spooky. I make spooky very season. spooky pumpkins, Rob. <laughs> Sounds like it. <laughs> All right, Wes. We're going to close it out with you. What's your good, bad, or ugly of the week? Yeah, you guys keep saying it was good that we got to hang out together. I agree. I tried like the different technique than you guys and was like, oh, we drank too much. You got, I feel like you guys said, let me just stop drinking beers. I was like, yep. let me just dwindle off Keep of it. Going. It didn't work. Keep it just, just going. It, it just elongated my <laughs> awful feeling. I think I got it for like six days after that. Never really felt I feel like I'm now back to normal. I'm like, okay, what am I? Nine days past it. Yep. I feel like I'm now feeling okay. So that was my not so great, but congrats. Yeah. Well, I'm excited. Welcome back, Wes. I'm <laughs> yeah, excited to go be. back to normal. And then I think Josh is coming out here. My good is Josh is coming out to visit me in Arizona in like uh, a week and a half. And then I can Jeez, just feel yeah. that bad again. It'll bad be again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do it again. Yeah. Let's run it back. <laughs> I'm a little jealous, but also not a little jealous. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> You're jealous. We're going to ship you beer. Don't worry. 
What if you just like, yeah, just like text me or like video chat me and like let me live in the moment with you, but then I'll wake up but normally. Sober. Yeah, I'll wake up yeah. normally the next morning and not we're, feel bad. We're actually not going to talk to you guys about it. You just have a required mm-hmm. amount of beers while we're together yeah. that you have to also drink. Uh, and it's, a, <laughs> it's a high number. It's a high number. <laughs> but are, can we, are we only going to be able to drink them if they're Ren House beers or from the tortoise? No, I can't. Do how about, that. how about this? Andy and I will only drink whatever you guys send us. Yeah. All right. Well, then no fun for you guys. Yeah. All right. I think fine. that's a good idea. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> I'll be sleeping soundly. Yeah. Oh, Same no. here. <laughs> all right. Well, I want to thank all the listeners for chiming in this long. And I think we're going to wrap it up the same way we always do. Peace. 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 Peace.